0: I'm Damien Venuto, it's November 22nd and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. It's never been easier to find a good deal online, but when you're Christmas shopping this year, some deals might seem too good to be true. That's because they're coming with a hidden cost. A new report from World Vision claims that a staggering $8 billion of imports to Aotearoa every year are linked to modern slavery. Everything from shoes and clothing to furniture and electronics could be made by people working in dire conditions and paid next to nothing. So what can consumers do to ensure that they aren't contributing to this trade? And has the government put safeguards in place to force Kiwi companies to question their supply chains? Today, on the front page, Rebecca Armstrong, Head of Advocacy and Justice at World Vision, takes us into the dark world of modern slavery. Rebecca, to hear the word slavery still conjures up images of the transatlantic slave trade, but what does the word actually mean in 2023? How has our definition of slavery evolved?
1: Yes, so it used to mean, you know, you were actually bought and sold as a slave. The modern slavery definition now shares a lot of similarities with that historical slavery. So we talk about issues of human trafficking, forced labour, debt bondage, working under coercive or abusive conditions. At the heart of what we call modern slavery is the deep concept of exploitation where you're working against your will for someone else's profit or gain.
0: You've recently released a report that we're spending as much as $77 per week on products implicated in modern slavery here in New Zealand. What does the word implicated actually mean in this context? Because that word can sometimes seem a little bit vague.
1: Sure. So in the context of this risky goods report, implication means that as an individual or organisational entity, you are connected with some of the activities that constitute modern slavery. For example, as a business According to this report, you might be importing electrical resistors to New Zealand or solar panels that you think you might be importing to support a transition to renewable energy. But these products may be made by people working in forced labour or child labour. And similarly, you're implicated in modern slavery if you are a consumer that purchases a piece of clothing or a smartphone or another good that could be linked to child or forced labor because through buying this product, you're actually fueling the economy of the industry where modern slavery is able to flourish.
0: The report suggests that there are as many as 50 million children, women and men trapped in modern slavery. Can you take us inside this world? What does the day-to-day look like for these people? What are they going through? How many hours are they working a day and what do they earn?
1: Great question. There are nearly 50 million people in modern slavery, 27 million of them are in forced labor. To bring it home a little bit, it might look like in Vietnam where 6,000 children are reported to be working in hazardous conditions to make our shoes. They're missing school, they're working in factories that are dangerous to their health with toxic chemicals. They're using their little hands to thread laces into the shoes that we wear. All of the 40,000 children that mine cobalt in the DRC This is used in our rechargeable batteries that power our smartphones, EVs, e-bikes. This is mined by little children's hands again. In fact, their little hands have been told to be very useful for the purpose of mining. It could be someone in China where there's state-imposed forced labour for Uyghur minorities. For example, China produces 75% of the world's solar panels. We imported 80% of our solar panels from China, and we know that the world's solar-grade polysilicon is produced in Xinjiang by Uyghurs and Muslim minorities. The research that we've looked at shows that people are forced to work really excessive hours with no pay. They're held in very restrictive accommodation that they can't leave, and they don't have freedom to move or even contact people, their family, outside of those working conditions. Those are just two examples, but you can bring it back to New Zealand as well, if you want to, with you know our slavery human trafficking case that took place in our horticulture industry a few years ago. This is where Joseph Matamata bought family members from Samoa to work with them in the Hawke's Bay, picking apples. They worked 17 hours a day. They had their passports removed from them. They were often beaten or threatened with violence. They lived in a garage, which was really poorly insulated and they weren't paid for their work and he profited from their exploitation. At the heart of all of these cases is generally a vulnerability like poverty or in the China case, these people being a minority not considered equal to other people in China. Or in the third case with Samoa, this involved a chief or a relative that people trusted exploiting them and they thought that they were going to be making money to help their families back in Samoa. Mr Matamata is an outlier, but is he alone in conducting this kind of operation? Do we know? I mean, it's very difficult to put estimates on what's happening in New Zealand or anyone else for that matter, but I suspect the number is much higher, given the number of victims involved, given how long it took for the authorities to discover that it's been happening. I think there is much more we can do. Unfortunately, I think there will be more cases that will come across, and I'm hoping
0: that we're gonna have more honest conversation in New Zealand. Are there any laws or protections in place in New Zealand to firstly stop local companies from relying on supply chains that might be questionable? And then are there any laws in place that protect consumers from buying products that are implicated in human slavery?
1: We have no modern slavery legislation in New Zealand, which is designed to help companies to identify the risks of modern slavery in their supply chains and then mitigate and address those. There was a commitment from the Labour government to draft this legislation, but we understand it hasn't been drafted yet and it's something that we're really pushing the new government to do. We want them to introduce modern slavery legislation that includes due diligence requirements, which means that you don't just have to disclose where your risks are, but actually address and mitigate them. We have local worker exploitation laws in New Zealand that try to look at the issues of unfair payment and employment breaches within our New Zealand supply chains. But there isn't any law so far that tells you to examine or scrutinise your supply chain to identify where there could be these risks of modern slavery taking place.
0: This report does, however, arrive during a cost of living crisis when Kiwis are desperately concerned about the cost of things. So how do you get people to care about problems that are far away when they're really struggling to make ends meet at home? Because that feels like a fundamental challenge when it comes to conscious consumerism.
1: Totally agree. I think we're all struggling here. But this is a human issue. It's a human rights issue. I think all of us don't feel great when we're wearing a T-shirt or something that we know has come at the expense of someone's life or their livelihood. They've been toiling away, working excessive hours, underpaid so that we can wear a shirt. There are decisions that we can make that ensure that we are purchasing more ethical items. And I think something like this report is just a really good reminder for consumers about what some of these risks are and how we as consumers can put pressure on the companies that we're buying for to make sure that they are carrying out due diligence and that supply chain scrutiny so that we can have more ease in purchasing products that we do want to wear or use that could be at high risk. Personally, I just don't think that any of us feel comfortable purchasing items that are at high risk of modern slavery. It's one of the greatest human rights issues of our generation and we fuel it when we don't care about this.
0: Ricky, there's also a sense here that ignorance does lead to a level of bliss because there's a very good chance that a lot of New Zealanders listening to this podcast right now are wearing shoes that are implicated in modern slavery. So the study showed that 92% of all shoes imported into Aotearoa were considered risky. How is that even possible?
1: It's possible because in the context of shoes, the fast fashion culture that we're part of The clothing industry, for example, has doubled in size over the last 15 years. And it's because of rapidly changing trends and, you know, a fast fashion business model to meet consumer demand brands, pressure factories to lower their costs, speed up their turnaround times. And then this downward pressure causes suppliers to cut corners and rely on exploitative practices. So I mean, ignorance is bliss, but we can make some decisions as consumers around fast fashion and choose to do things like purchase second-hand or not purchase as much to support fast fashion industry.
0: If you're enjoying this episode of The Front Page brought to you by the New Zealand Herald, make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcasts. We've seen fast fashion rise for a number of years now, but we've also seen the emergence of fast furniture and fast appliances. Can you give us a sense of how this has contributed to modern slavery?
1: Yeah, so this is really interesting because in two years in New Zealand, we've increased our imports of fast furniture by 50%. So... We are bringing more fast furniture into New Zealand than ever before. We think there's probably a correlation between having, you know, lockdowns, COVID-19, where people had time to actually assemble fast furniture, but basically when there's really high demand for products like this it really impacts the supply chains of people working on these you know really high turnaround times in the context of fast furniture we've got nearly 42,000 children that work in the furniture industry across Vietnam and Pakistan this is often hazardous work with children harvesting bamboo by hand so when there is you know the strong demand for fast furniture that relies on quick turnaround times and cheap production There's just such a greater risk of exploitation of people.
0: The challenge here, though, for the individual is that it can be quite difficult to look into those supply chains and find out what's actually going on. So while big firms can head across, send their staff across to go and investigate what's happening in their supply chains, individuals simply can't do the same. And it makes me think a little bit about online shopping here and the rapid rise of these retailers that are incredibly cheap, maybe based in countries that we aren't too familiar with. Should we be really conscious of these great deals that just seem a little bit too good to be true?
1: Yeah, absolutely. If something is looking a little bit too good to be true, then it probably is. If something is, you know... 80% cheaper online than you can find it in New Zealand, you know, retail store. You've got to question why it's so cheap. And if it's coming from a place where there is known to be, you know, forced or child labor, even more reason to question whether buying anything from that online store is ethical. There is the rise of this kind of really highly processed, cheap products that we can buy. And we need to be really mindful of the decisions that we're making when we purchase from these companies.
0: I have seen online that there has been a bit of backlash against the likes of Sheen and Timu internationally. Should New Zealanders also be a little bit hesitant or a little bit more cautious when they're shopping on these types of sites?
1: Absolutely. I'm a mum of a little two-year-old and I get all the Timu ads coming up all the time for toys and clothes. And, uh, you know, Timo was one of the sponsors of the recent Rugby World Cup. But if you do Google Timo and Shine, you'll see that there are major allegations of modern slavery, forced labour in these supply chains. You can just do a simple research piece yourself. It doesn't take much to understand that there are some serious risks of um, in these supply chains and that should be enough really to make you consider whether purchasing something from these particular brands is a good decision for you.
0: Shein has denied the mistreatment claims but it also doesn't have the best record. Past investigations have exposed poor working conditions for factory staff but those findings didn't result in any consequences for the company. In fact, quite the opposite. Consumers are still spending up large, making Sheen one of the biggest fast fashion houses in the world. Rick, I have noticed that some firms, not all, in New Zealand do offer some information on their supply chains. Should it be mandatory for all companies to be quite transparent when it comes to those supply chains?
1: Yeah, we think so. We are calling for modern slavery legislation. We have been for three years, and this would ensure that New Zealand companies do have to disclose the risks of modern slavery in their supply chains. Some New Zealand companies are doing this because they are trading internationally and often this is becoming the norm overseas. You know, a lot of OECD countries, countries in the EU, the UK, Australia, they have these types of laws in place and it's now becoming a prerequisite when you're trading with these countries to be doing this. There are different thresholds to which modern slavery reporting can apply. I think in New Zealand with the consultation for modern slavery legislation last year, there was a discussion around having entities with 20 million and 50 million reporting to this legislation. World Vision would say that every company that operates in a high-risk sector should be reporting on their modern slavery risk regardless of their annual revenue. So if you're a New Zealand company and you are literally importing, let's say, batteries – because this is such a high-risk product, there should be more emphasis on you because you're working in this high-risk area where there's known modern slavery risk.
0: It's also concerning that you do see a level of complicity when it comes to Western companies and their contribution to modern slavery, because they'll often put pressure on their suppliers in different countries, asking them to produce things faster, cheaper, and getting them into the market more rapidly. And If we aren't paying a fair rate, then how can we expect workers to be paid a fair wage on the other side?
1: Yeah, totally. I think this is why legislation is quite important, because once there are these processes in place where it's actually considered good to disclose your modern slavery risk, it's considered good to be transparent about some of the risks that you have in your supply chain, it just brings all of that information to light. And then so instead of there being this race to the bottom, you know, race to try and get the cheapest thing. When you have modern slavery mitigation processes in place, you can understand what aspects of your business model could actually be exacerbating the exploitation of others. And it is things like really fast turnaround times or, you know, the competition of the market to have the very cheapest product by 10 cents. So you know, modern slavery legislation is a great first step in helping companies to identify where modern slavery risks are, but also the practices within our current business models that also exacerbate that exploitation as well.
0: Rebecca, time and again, we've seen people tend to be driven by immediate needs or saving a dollar where they can, especially as we lead into Christmas. Do you expect to see any change in this behaviour anytime soon?
1: I do think that The New Zealand government need to lead this with legislation. That's going to have a really big impact on our companies that then do this work, as in they have to be aware of their modern slavery risks. Then that has, you know, an effect on the consumer as well, because we can start really asking our companies to be doing better. We can see through transparency legislation what companies are actually identifying and mitigating risk and which aren't. I hope that a report like this will speak to the hearts of New Zealanders, especially at Christmas time. There's actually a really interesting stat in this report that shows that 94% of Christmas decorations are really risky. And, you know, it's just crazy that at a time like Christmas, where we're decorating our houses, it's a festive season of giving, we can be buying things that exploit and enslave others. So I hope that a report like this, it really is an awareness-raising report. It's trying to show the New Zealand public that we do have murky supply chains. There is forced labour, child labour in our supply chains. I hope it does speak to the heart of Kiwis because the products that are listed in this report are the products that we're using day to day. And as consumers, we should be really telling the government to prioritise legislation like this and also putting pressure on our companies to be doing the same.
0: Thanks for joining us, Rebecca. That's it for this episode of The Front Page. You can read more about today's stories and extensive news coverage at nzherald.co.nz. I'm Damien Venuto. The Front Page is produced by Sean D. Wilson and Paddy Fox. You can follow The Front Page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in tomorrow for another look behind the headlines.